The Pilgrimage of the Heart podcast is brought to you by PYO.Yoga, an online studio for all your yoga needs, including videos in Spanish and Russian. This podcast is also brought to you by Pilgrimage of the Heart Yoga, located in San Diego and serving over 1,000 yogis a week. Hi, this is Sujantra. Join me now and every week to discover the beauty, joy, and peace that lies just underneath. To get ready for the meditation, I thought I'd just talk a little bit about uh, creating your own meditation area. And so, it's important to have a group practice in your meditation, and so this is a group practice, getting together with other people, getting out of your daily, uh, you know, your daily meditation space and going to some kind of group meditation. I find it really helpful. So in my own life, I have uh, four group meditations that I go to each week, this being one. There's the Thursday night kirtan, and then two, two nights a week, I meditate with students of Sri Chinmoy at the Sri Chinmoy Center, So that gives me another Wednesday and a Sunday night meditation. So there's four evenings a week where I'm getting together with other people and doing meditation. And then um, my own home practice, my daily practice. And so that's what I wanted to talk about a little bit is creating your own space in your, uh, somewhere where you live, somewhere in your living space for meditation and some of the key elements. The first is, um, your, your own posture, so how you feel most comfortable when you're sitting to meditate. So tonight some of you have chosen chairs, um, obviously some on the floor, everyone's got some back support, whether you're leaning against the wall or against uh, on the back of the chair. And so really the key thing in the posture is that you're alert, so I don't recommend lying down when you're learning to meditate because it's so easy to fall asleep. So a posture where you can be um, alert, and a little more specifically, your spine can be as straight as is comfortable. For myself, I definitely feel a difference when I don't have some lower back support, because when I have the nice lower back support, then I'm able to sit up with my spine quite straight without having to strain. So if I'm going to sit and meditate for a half hour in the morning, if I have to, uh, you know, uh, flex my back muscles to keep my spine straight for a half hour, it's not really going to work that well. So if I have some nice lower back support in my chair, then I get that um, good vertical in my spine. And then the other thing is your, um, your thighs, so your, your knees, basically in general when you're sitting in a yoga posture, you want your knees at or just below hip level. Because if your knees are up above your hips, then again, it takes more stress, more strain for you to keep your lower back straight. And so when I meditate with the, um, on Wednesday and Sunday night, I actually bought a chair taller than these. The seat taller, I found one at a thrift store. Because um, if I sit in these kind of chairs, my knee's too high and then it pushes on the lower back and... Because the books of yoga say, basically, with meditation, you want your seat, your posture, to be firm but pleasant. And by firm is meant you have a strong posture, you're alert, you're firm, 
but pleasant, so it's not aching or hurting. And once you're in the meditation, changing up your posture as much as you need to to maintain that uh, comfort, ultimately so you can let go of your body awareness. Because ultimately in meditation, you start going deeper into your uh, more subtle energies and, and letting your awareness of the physical uh, drift a little bit. Not drift, but you, you go, become more subtle than your physical body. Then, um, so for the, your seat, and then in front of you, you know, you could choose to go kind of the Zen path and just have a blank wall. Or you could, one less step of austerity, you could have like just a wall with a dot on it that you just concentrate on. But for myself, I like to have uh, inspiration at the place I sit to meditate. Because meditation is a challenging undertaking, especially in the beginning. And so if you have things there where you meditate that you're looking forward to seeing or connecting with. So for example, uh, where I sit and meditate, I have some flowers. One reason is some of the visualizations I do personally involve uh, the heart chakra, and often the heart chakra is described as a lotus or um, having a certain number of petals. So just having a flower there and seeing the beauty of the flower is a visualization I use sometimes. Also, some of the qualities of flowers, you know, when you look at flowers, you might get a certain feeling like happiness or beauty or the fragrance of a flower or the purity of a flower. So that, that energy, so it's a nice visual and it can have some scent to it. I also like to have a candle. Again, uh, visual, something to light the flickering of the candle. I can look at the candle. And also, again, visualization or the idea of energy rising up. You know, the candle is working hard to stay, you know, <laughs> to keep doing its thing. And my teacher uses a lot of that analogies in talking about meditation, talking about like the inner fire, cultivating the inner fire within yourself the rising flame of intensity or the flame of aspiration, so having a candle. And then also, if you like incense, two general kinds of incense. One is the Indian incense, and the other is the Japanese. I prefer the Japanese because there's less smoke. The Japanese incense is made like pasta. You know, they take all the ingredients and squeeze it out, so it's just all pure incense. Whereas a lot of the Indian incense is um, bamboo dipped in the, in the mixture. So you're burning the mixture, but you're also burning the, the bamboo stick. So sometimes it'll smoke your... Then also, uh, I personally either like to have a picture of my teacher, and in addition to that, I have some, uh, like some beautiful art. You know, so it's colorful, expressive. For me, personally, um, my teacher inspires me. So you could have a picture of your teacher, you could have a picture of a beautiful scene from nature, or possibly a mandala. You know, if you see the Buddhist um, kind of geometric figures that have a, you know, you can kind of look deeper and deeper into them. Or a symbol like the Om symbol, 
very beautiful image if you've ever seen uh, the ohm symbol or, you know, something you can look at visually again that you're, you look forward to seeing. So that visual space. And then finally, I like to keep something to read. So a book, something I can pick up at the beginning of my meditation and get out of my own thought process. So a lot of times in the morning I wake up and there's all kinds of things in my mind and it's very easy for me to sit down and just to keep thinking about those things because it's kind of like I'm on that train. Whereas if I pick up a book of, uh, usually from a spiritual teacher, pick up a book, read a little bit, it moves my thoughts out of my own patterns and into a higher uh, thought process. Finally, a journal. I like to keep a journal where I sit to meditate so that on a practical level, if something comes into my mind that I need to remember for my own life or the business or something or some idea, I'll write it down rather than try to keep it in my head. And also to um, keep a, a journal of different meditation experiences or inspirations or if a poem or some, something uh, inspirational comes to me, I like to write it down or do some journaling after I meditate. So the value of, um, or sketching, the value of uh, objectifying your experiences can be very helpful. So I really suggest uh, creating a meditation space for yourself. I remember in college, I had a roommate in the room with me and then four other roommates and everyone's always going in and out of each other's rooms. So it wasn't conducive for me to create you know, my meditation shrine because the other uh, guys would have like, given me a hard time and that's not gonna inspire me. So I did it where I had all my cool stuff taped on the inside of uh, like a, a tall cabinet, you know, for the clothes. And when I went to meditate, I just opened it up and then brought out a candle and created, my, had my little place there. So, um, so something like that, and it doesn't have to be that you only meditate there, but it is nice if you can um, dedicate a section of a corner of your room or somewhere just for your meditation. So, when you, so that's like your sacred uh, space to practice. So yeah, something engaging, put a little energy into it, and the more energy you put into it, the more energy it takes on. So if you spend a half hour or 20 minutes once a week buying some flowers, keep your shrine nice, clean it, um, you know, just put some energy into it, then it has more value and it, um, the force of it in your life grows. Okay, so with that, we'll um, jump into our meditation. Since we talked a little bit about uh, flowers, Pujari uh, created a nice chant for when we're deeper in the meditation. We'll, focus, we'll use the word purity, purity, because the idea of flower, the purity of a flower, the flower just creates beauty and offers it into the world. And so in the meditation, once we get a little deeper into the meditation, We'll do, we'll do a, a visualization on purity, which invites you for yourself to ex explore what does purity mean. You might hear in the spiritual world or in religion or spiritual philosophy the idea of purity, but what is purity? For me, a nice analogy is it's clarity. It's like a pure glass of water. You want to drink it. It's healthy. You can see clearly in it versus a dirty glass of water has all this sentiment. You can't really see in it. 
It has all these contaminants that don't do you a lot of good. And so in the same way, purity in your heart, how to make your heart, your spiritual heart really clear, how to have clarity in your mind, that, that type of thing. So we'll, I'll, I'll mention a few things about purity, and during the, during the deeper meditation, you'll choose an image from nature that for you represents purity. It could be a clear glass of water. It could be a mountain stream, a, uh, snow-capped peaks. It could be a flower. Just exploring that and that energy in your own life, the energy of purity. Okay, any questions before we begin? Okay. Actually, let me read a quick quote about purity from the blue booklet. Oh, this is a nice passage. Uh, Sri Chamoy writes, when we establish, so talking about purity, clarity, um, when we establish clarity in the mind, we will be able to see God very intimately. God's divine consciousness bursts into the earth's atmosphere and spreads over all the length and breadth of the world. So whether you, like, whether you relate to the word God or not, or just the supreme energy or some cosmic force, but that when you get enough clarity in your mind and enough purity in your heart, you can have the direct experience of this energy. And as he says, bursts into the earth's atmosphere and spreads over all the length and breadth of the world. So that would be a nice experience to have in meditation. Okay, so beginning by finding a comfortable posture. Again, the idea of your spine as straight as is comfortable. In some of the other classes, uh, I've taught you the alternate nostril breathing. So if you want to start with some alternate nostril breathing, you can do so. Otherwise, if possible, if possible, breathing in and out through your nose and breathing in and out as slowly as is comfortable. Breath, body, mind, and emotions are all intertwined. As you slow your breathing, your body relaxes. Your thoughts begin to subside. And your emotions become more clear. you're doing alternate nostril breathing, do it for as long as you like. You can keep doing it during the conscious relaxation. 
So as we breathe in, becoming aware of the muscles in your forehead and around your eyes. As you exhale, allowing those muscles to release and relax. As you breathe in, becoming aware of the muscles in your cheeks and jaw, exhaling, feeling those muscles melting. Breathing in an awareness of the muscles in the back of your neck and shoulders. As you exhale, releasing, letting go of the day's experiences, assimilating them and relaxing. Breathing in, a few extra deep inhalations, expanding your chest on that deep inhale. And as you exhale, allowing the muscles in your chest and the muscle of your heart to release and relax on the exhalation.
Now choose one other area of your body where you feel or suspect there's tension or holding. Use the same technique. As you breathe in, become aware of that area, that specific muscles, those specific muscles. And as you exhale, allow them to release and relax. Now we'll move from here into yogic concentration. We'll begin with visual concentration. Very gently open your eyelids just enough so you can see either a darker spot of bamboo flooring, or if you'd like to gaze up and pick a spot of color on the painting, or the cloth, the tablecloth. It's okay if your vision blurs, it's okay to blink. Key thing is just to keep your eyes as motionless as possible. Thoughts, let them come and go. Just keep your concentration on the object of concentration. As we continue with the meditation, you can either keep your eyes open and focused or let your eyelids gently close. If you choose to close your eyelids, then continue to gaze up towards your third eye in between your eyebrows and a finger's width above. 
or gaze down towards a spot about a foot in front of your heart. In either case, shift your awareness to your ears and then the sound of the flute. Again, let the thoughts come and go. This is an exercise in focusing your awareness. Shifting awareness now to your sense of touch. That can be the touch, the feeling of breath moving in and out through your nostrils. It can be the feeling of your heartbeat. Or a bit more subtle than your heartbeat is the gentle pulse in the tip of your thumb. Any one of those or any combination, but focusing now on sense of touch.
now we'll move into our heart-centered meditation. If you want to shift to a mudra where your hands are in front of your chest, you can do that. Prayer position. Atmanjali mudra. Anything that intensifies your own awareness of your hands and your heart. And as you breathe in, feel or imagine that the breath is coming to you from the space all around you, 360 degrees, and that as you breathe in, you draw this energy into the center of your chest, into the center of your body. You can give it a color. And then as you exhale, feel that like a flower emits beauty and fragrance, that your exhalation is offering the highest and the best of yourself into the world around you. So the breath in is drawing energy into your heart. Exhale is sharing it. And if you notice that you're concentrating primarily on the front of your body, your chest, take a, take a few breaths and try and concentrate on the spot on your spine directly behind your heart. So you're concentrating on the back of your body, on your spine. Feel you're drawing in the energy through your spine into your heart. Now pause for a moment, let that technique subside. Just be aware of your breath. And now we'll do a meditation specifically on purity. So as you breathe in, inwardly, 
be repeating either the word purity, this is inwardly, repeating either purity or clarity, or if there's some other word you connotate with purity or clarity. So as you breathe in, you're inwardly repeating, for example, purity, and visualize a scene from nature that for you represents purity. Try to visualize that in your heart, your heart space. That's the inhale. And on the exhale, trying to feel what purity feels like to you. Inhale is inner repetition of the word and the image. Exhale, feeling purity. Keep going with this technique. We're just going to add in actually chanting the word purity. But keep the visualization going, the feeling. Jarn I'll chant purity the first time, and then we can all join in.
three more times and then we'll just have silence to end. Each time you end your meditation, bring your awareness back to your body and surroundings as much as you need to, but as much as you're able to, holding on to the inner awareness. So tonight's meditation was right about a half hour, and so it shows the power of group meditation, what you're able to do when you set aside the time and uh, come here to meditate, so nice half hour meditation. And the depth of your meditation on a consistent basis will really be governed by how much you practice. And so again, the value of creating a nice space in your living zone that you can have for your daily practice of meditation. And daily practice can be as short as five minutes or three deep breaths, whatever it is to you, but just to give that space and that energy for your practice. And of course, the ability to visualize and use an internal repetition can also be applied to things in your outer life.
the idea of like a vision board, what you want to do, what you want to become as a person, uh, that can also uh, be a form of visualization. But tonight we focused on purity. Okay, so it was nice uh, meditating with everyone. Thank you, Pujari, for the chanting. And if you want to explore a little more deeply the chanting and um, the Sri Chinmoy's teachings, Pujari offers a meditation, a free meditation class every Thursday night down behind Jyoti Bihanga Vegetarian Restaurant. And that is on Thursday nights at 6 p.m. And on the resource uh, sheet at the bottom, it shows freemeditationsandiego.com. And if you go to that site, it shows his class. Um, and we usually have a flyer that you can take a picture of, but I can't find it. So you could ask him if you need to. Otherwise, if you're staying for the philosophy, we'll take about a five-minute break, and then we'll jump into Emerson's poem. Thank you. Namaste. Thanks for joining us. This has been a production of Pilgrimage of the Heart Yoga. Join us at our studios here in San Diego or visit us online at pyo.yoga. Namaste. Namaste.